Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in. Our first lesson this morning is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Psalm 22. Both of these readings we read last week and are continuing on this week as we are continuing in the same theme. Verses 1 through 11, and then 22 through 24. Listen for the word of the Lord. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me, they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver, let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you 
You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks indeed be to God. So we are in our series of questions of faith. We are in our second week of asking one of the fundamental questions of our Christian journey, which is what is God's role in evil and suffering? And we could spend another month on this, but we won't. So last week, if you remember in part one, We talked about human finitude, the idea that we as human beings are a part of creation. And just as creation has life cycles, things end, things begin, whether those are plants and flowers and trees, whether those are seasons that begin and end and start again, We too are a part of creation and not separate from that simply because we are human. And we too have a life cycle. We too age and wither and can and will become sick. Sooner or later, we all do and will and have. I went to St. Andrews Presbyterian College in Laurenburg, North Carolina, loved my time there. 10% of our student body at the time was physically challenged, and they had a word for the rest of us, temporarily able-bodied, because sooner or later, something will happen. The body will wear out. We have an accident. We know health is just a part of our life. And our lives are a part of our life cycle. Often, I think we think because we are human beings, we think we are entitled to immortality. Dear God, how dare you let me get sick? Dear God, why do I have to get older? Why do I have this kind of pain? Why can't I just be well forever? Well, because it's, it's not God's plan for us. As I said last week, this is a way station to the place we're all heading towards and want to be through Christ. And yes, we would hope for as minimal pain and suffering in this world as possible, mental, physically, even spiritually, and yet that is a part of this journey and we know that. Human finitude We are not immortal. We are not here forever. God accompanies us on this journey in this life cycle that we're in. We then talked about, so human finitude, then we talked about natural law a little bit last week. And again, all statements from the pulpit reflect me. Ask another, even PCUSA Presbyterian minister, and they may share some different variations of this. So this is my understanding. And I'm leaning heavy on Shirley Guthrie's book, um, Christian Doctrine, as, as I told you last week, was a Presbyterian uh, uh, professor at Columbia Seminary in Decatur. 
So natural law, that means that God created the way that things are and lets a certain amount of that happen. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Are you saying God made the world and just let it go and God is gone? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are some predictable laws that have to do with physics, chemistry, biology, science, that God put into place for our benefit. Think about the weather for just a minute. That is natural law. God put those systems in place so we would have some sense of how to order and structure our days, our lives, how as human beings we can even predict because of what God has set up is consistent and reliable most of the time. Sometimes unexpected things happen and unpredicted things happen. But think about there being no need for weather people. In the summer in Columbus, Georgia, what if we didn't know that there would be a chance of shower every day? It would be in the 90s and the 70s every day with occasional front coming through with the rain and occasional breaking 90 into the hundreds. What if we couldn't, what if tomorrow it snowed? What if the day after that it was 106 degrees? What if it rained for a month and then froze for a month? Well, that's a mess. God put these natural systems, this natural law in place so there would be a natural rhythm to creation and the way that this world operates. So back to our question, is God then responsible for suffering and evil as it happens through natural law? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that suffering does happen according to the laws that God has put into place, tornadoes, hurricanes, and no, in the sense that God does not target where that happens. Right after Katrina, Vicki and I were in Raleigh. It was serving, we were serving Presbyterian churches there. And we had uh, Oberlin Road was in Raleigh. There were many churches and we had kind of a a consortium, a gathering of those churches, white churches, black churches, different uh, brands of Christianity. We had gathered for uh, a picnic after church. Now, my family was in Louisiana, is in Louisiana, and my mom and dad were on the North Shore in the Mandeville-Covington area. Mom, my mom was in Montreat for a women's conference, which was great because we were right there in Raleigh. We just went and got her, brought her home to us. So she was there. And in the midst of the lunch, again, right after Katrina, the devastating hurricane that just about destroyed the city, and so much that we remember about that horrible day, the lady stands up and says, God has no love for New Orleans. They got what God gave them. I'm okay but I look at my mom. Growing up in Louisiana, our, our, my dad's side of the family was in, it still is in New Orleans. And I thought, oh no, a sweet and kind woman until. And she stands up and says, excuse me, 
God did not target New Orleans, Louisiana. Some of the most faithful people that I know live in that city. Some of the most faithful and discipleship building and transforming churches I have been a part of have been in that city. How dare you say that God targeted those people? I'm the pastor at one of those churches. But the sentiment was there. Did they deserve it? That's why God sent them that hurricane? Well, we, I think, know enough to know that that's not how God works. It is so random where these uh, uh, natural events, these weather events take place, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, all these things. Some of those we can predict, some we don't. But God does not target those people, point and say, ooh, tsunami, today go. Tomorrow, tornado, I'm going to hit this house and not that house. So again, it's a yes and no. Suffering comes from the natural law, but God does not pinpoint and exact that on us as some kind of wrath or revenge because we are sinful. Back in the day, the biblical day, it was exactly because you were sinful that bad things happened to you. Still, branches of our Christian faith continue to believe that. As I shared last week, Job and all the things that happened to Job, his friends, his three friends that came, fantastic example of pastoral care. They sat with him for seven days and they didn't say a thing. And they screwed it up when they started talking. And what did they say almost first? What did you do to deserve this? And we know the story of Job didn't do a darn thing. And he endured horrible, horrible things. So let me just say that through this natural law, God does not target you or me or this place or regions. And God is involved But there is also natural law, which again includes all of science, which is not exclusive from religion. Science is how we, the art of figuring out how God does things. So we have the natural law. So moving on today. Let's think about human responsibility and negligence. If a plane crashes, should we ask why God let it happen or why safety measures were not enforced? If I get sick, is it because God willed it or is it because I haven't taken care of myself with proper diet and exercise as I ought? Do you remember the movie City Slickers, Billy Crystal? A handful of city slickers pay for this kind of tourism opportunity to be with real cowboys and move real cattle across some open prairie land. Pay for that kind of in a tourism way. If you remember Jack Palance, old country western star was Curly, I think was his name, in that. And he was the head boss. And he dies in the middle of their process, their cattle drive. And one of the city slicker guys says, he ate bacon every day. You can't do that. 
So did God kill Curly? Or did Curly make his life more unhealthy because he ate bacon until his arteries clogged and his heart exploded? Something I'm very sensitive to since I love the bacon myself. No. So human responsibility and negligence. So much of why we look at the world and think, why are things that way? comes from our human inability to care enough for other humans that we would band together in enough unity to wipe out the scourges of this earth. Do we have enough resources and wherewithal in this nation that everyone should have decent housing? We do. Does everyone? No. And you can go down the list of societal challenges, hunger, access to healthcare, education, livable wages, so on and so forth. And there's a lot tied up in that. I know it. This isn't black and white what I'm saying. But those are human ills that we seek to engage. And in some ways we do. And yet there is still so much in the world that we don't address. I always think, what could Christians do? All two billion of us around the world, if we were to say Christianity is going to tackle an issue around the world, all leaders of all Christian churches, and say for the next five years, we are going to wipe out X, Y, and Z. Could we do it? I bet we could get close if we couldn't. Difficult thing is a lot of those pieces are tied to each other. Poverty includes a lot of those multiple symptomatic things, and the pieces just aren't as easy as throwing money at. It takes development. It takes partnership. It takes systemic love and growth to break those cycles. And we have some will for that, and yet, I think we often say, why are there so many hungry people in the world? Is that evil and suffering? And did God cause that? Or does God say back to us, why are there so many hungry people in the world? What can we do that we're not doing? Could we band together or are we too busy fighting about what separates us so we can't help those on this earth more. Human responsibility and negligence. We know that the wars that we see, God caused those to happen? Absolutely not. Those are humans' desire for more, for themselves, for their nations. We justify it in many ways. The Holocaust, for example, so many came out of the Holocaust with a different understanding of God, especially our Jewish brothers and sisters. How could God let that happen? And God may very well say, why did they let that happen? happen. And yet we did intervene at some point 
And it was people who helped save people in that case, but so much loss and death. So many came out with a different understanding that God exists, but not the God that they knew in their Hebrew Bible understanding. But we have responsibility for so much. From legislation that we see in the world that helps us figure out how to live together, to the interactions with people that we have, with reaching out, one of our core Christian principles as a church is to reach out into the community to help those who are marginalized and cannot find a way forward. We're not here to do it for them. We are here to do it with them. And in the process, we are blessed and transformed. And at one point or another, we all fit that mold of being marginalized. Sometimes people help us, sometimes they don't. But our call is to never stop helping in Christ's name. So that was natural No, that was our own human negligence. We know so much evil and suffering comes from humanity's treatment of humanity, and we do have some control over that. So then, the question, why do some people suffer more than others? Why do some have more tragedy in their lives than anyone should have to bear? Why do good people who don't deserve it sometimes suffer more than bad people who do? That is frustrating, isn't it? Why do debilitating disease, tragic accidents, death of a child, or young person of life is just the beginning? Why is the family deprived of support and care of a father and mother it most desperately needs? Why must an older person have to suffer so long? Why me? Why my child, my mother, my father, my husband, my friend? Why not me? Why all of those other people around the world whom God loves just as much as they love us? Why them and not us? The questions are endless. And the answer, friends, get your pencils out, get your pen. You ready? Here's the answer. We don't know why. Preacher, that's a cop out. What did the preacher say about it? He said, well, we don't know. Well, it's not exactly what I said. There are pieces that we have talked through already that inform this conversation. Where does evil come from? Does God cause evil? Is God evil God's self? No. God's sole purpose is to create us, and we are a part of the good created order that God brought into being and called good. God does not create evil to make us suffer and punish us. God's sole reason for sending Christ was so that we would not suffer and we would be saved from evil. It is not in God's character to be evil. Evil doesn't come from God. Evil come from us? No. We can make poor decisions. We can make sinful decisions. We can make harmful decisions. I think at times we are instruments of evil, but evil doesn't come from us. We are created even with the inheritance of the fall. Ah, got to be the Satan, got to be the devil, 
Well, no. That would indicate that there is a separate but equal evil God in the world with our good God. And we know God is creator and ruler of all. If anything, the devil is a jester in God's court that seeks to mess with us and the world. Often this world is called the kingdom of darkness because it's not yet realized and redeemed by God. And whether there is a physical devil or it is our sinful nature, who is responsible for our actions? We are. We can't say, the devil made me do it. Oh, you can say it. But that's another evil that we seek, that if we can blame someone else, then it's easier for us. If we can pick on those who can't stand up for themselves and we point at them and say it is their fault, then we don't have to deal with it inside of ourselves, part of our human nature to blame. So if evil doesn't come from that, then, then where? Again, I say I'm not sure. I know it is real. I know it exists. I know God's power is greater and overcomes all darkness. What is the nature and character of God to love us, to hold us, to redeem us? Yes, to convict us, but not to bring us closer to God through tragedy and death and suffering. That is not the God we follow. The 2 Corinthians passage, Vicki talked about it. God is present in the midst of our sufferings, in the midst of the evil, in the midst of the brokenness. While we may not know exactly its origins, we do know that God is in the midst of it and does not leave us alone, and gives us one another as a gift. So as we are consoled in our difficult moments, so too are we called to go out and console others in God's name. God is not evil nor the root of evil. God does not teach us lessons, take your loved ones, destroy human life for the sake of God's ultimate will in the sense of bringing you closer to Christ through these horrible situations. God does not need another angel in heaven. God does not give you more than you can bear. Hogwash. Sometimes we are overcome in these awful situations and we break. But who is there with us to hold the pieces? It is God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. There is evil in the world out there, in here, in our hearts, in our lives. God is not the cause. God is the answer. The resurrection power of Christ is the answer. The creation glory through God who continues to create us every day in the world through natural law, but also through his good pleasure, his light, and his love is 
the answer. What is God's role in suffering and evil? I don't know, but I'm glad that God is there. And God does not harm us. God loves us. So as we have been consoled, let us too now go out into the world to console others who are suffering and who have been victims of evil. We are blessed to be a part of this Christian family and the world. Let us go and live accordingly. Hallelujah. Amen.